Hello, this is Evangelist Stacy Gibson, and welcome to my podcast. As promised, on my promo, tonight we'll be looking at God's unlikely servants. God's unlikely servants. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almost kind, dear, gracious Heavenly Father, I do love you and thank you tonight, Father, dear God, for all that you do. You're a gracious, kind, loving God, Father, dear Lord, and dear God, I thank you for that blood that was shed on Calvary's cross, Father, dear Lord, for the remission of sins. And dear God, I just pray for the listener out there tonight that's lost, that doesn't know you. I pray there's something I would say, Father, dear Lord, that would lead them to you, lead them to their knees, Father, dear God, that they would fall down and, and ask you into their heart. Dear God, if there's someone that has turned their back on you tonight, Father, dear Lord, put you on a shelf and no longer has you first in their life. I pray for restoration tonight, Father, dear Lord. I pray that something I'd say that would turn them to fall to their knees as well, Father, dear God. Dear Lord, may everything I say and do be uplifting and glorifying to you, Father. And dear God, I pray tonight, Father, dear also, that I would bring encouragement to those that are out there doing your work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God's unlikely servants. You know, the Bible is full of people whom God used to do mighty things and accomplish his will. Some doubt, Some turned out to be pretty great men and women of the Bible. We often speak of them all the time. We, we talk about them. But some are hardly ever mentioned at all. And others, we do not even know the name for them. Like a example of, who was this other disciple on the road to Emmaus with Cleopas? Luke 24, 18. Who was the prophet in Judges 6, 8, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. Hmm, no name given there as well. Who was the chief butler in Genesis 41, who remembered Joseph, could interpret dreams? I often think it would be kind of neat to have your name in the Bible if we ever, if you've ever thought of that as a kid, saying, hey, I wish my name was in the Bible, right? And then I would think to myself, if I could ever read the Bible and say, hey, I guess what? I'm in there. I made the book. And then you find out they didn't even mention your name. You'd be like, oh. <laughs> Such as, let's look at another one, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. And who simply was the thief that was on the cross that was crucified? beside Jesus. Luke 23, 39-43 Now I love Jesus' words there in that verse 43. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen, amen, amen. I may not know his name, but I guarantee you we will, we will meet that guy and we will know him. The thief that hung on the cross. Absolutely one of my favorite Stories in the Bible. <clears throat> uh, we could go on. We could uh, look at those who uh, were reluctant to, to serve at first. Who gave God excuses and reasons why someone else would be better for the job? Can you think of any? Who's the first person that may come to mind? Absolutely. Let's look at Moses in Exodus 4, chapter 4, verse 1. They will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. Verse 10, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither herefore 
nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Moses tried to give an excuse that, you know, he, he stuttered. He wasn't eloquent. We also know that later on, that Moses took a life and of the Egyptian in Exodus 2.12. Mm. How about the story of Gideon? Gideon was weak and wanted a sign in Judges 6.12-17, through 17, but was called a mighty man of valor. He said his family was poor and that he was the least of his, in his father's house. However, the Lord said, Surely I will be with thee. God also told him he had too many people in his army, and he defeated 135,000 men with only 300. What a victory. Why do you suppose God did that? We'll come back to that later. Think about that. Why would God only use 300? He had too many men. He told him to come down there, and all those that lapped like a dog for them to, you know, dismiss. And he even told them again that was too many. And <clears throat> Who could forget the mighty Samson, the Philistine slayer? In Judges chapter 13 through 16, whom we found out that his weakness was women. And that when you cut his hair, his strength left him. God used him in the end to slay more Philistines at one time than he ever did in his lifetime prior. Remember Joshua, who gave a good report back in Numbers 14, 6-9? And because of his faith and trust in God, he would be later chosen to lead God's people after Moses' death. As we mentioned the butler earlier, Joseph, because he would not sin against God, was blessed and found favor with everyone along his rough road to royalty. And God used him to save the brothers who sold him into slavery for starvation. Joseph, another one of my favorite stories in the Bible. God used Esther to save her own people from a plot to annihilate them in the book of Esther. For such a time as this. <laughs> God used King David and took him from the shepherd boy to the top because he was brave and he loved God. Do you love God tonight? He used David's son. He used Solomon because he was humble. And he only wanted to judge righteously. Remember Solomon's prayer? Solomon only asked for wisdom and God blessed him more than any other king in the Bible riches and wisdom and another great story in the Bible 
excuse me one moment. <clears throat> Got to have my coffee. <laughs> he used Isaiah because he was willing. Here, my send me, Isaiah 6, 8. Are you willing tonight? Are you willing to go wherever God would send you? God called Jeremiah before he was even born. Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Jeremiah himself even gave God an excuse that he could not speak, that he was a child. Verse 6, God also assures Jeremiah to not be afraid, for he will be with him, to fear not. Count how many times it says fear not in the Bible. Get back to me on that one, would you? It says it quite a few times. As children of God, we are simply to fear not. If God be for us, who could be against us, right? God used Daniel, a young teenage boy who purposed in his heart to serve God only and not to file himself in a foreign land. Another great story in the Bible where a young teenage boy stood up for what was right. What such wisdom at a young age. Are you standing up for what's right tonight? Here's one for most of us. God used Jonah even though he ran from God and did not want to see a revival in Nineveh. I would say that that's a lot of us tonight, that we often run from God, run from doing His service, run from doing His work. A lot of times out of fear, thinking that God's going to call us and to do something that we don't want to do. Mm. Think about these. God used Habakkuk, even though he was, even though he disagreed with God on what he was doing. However, in the end, he submits to God's will. God used Matthew. He was a hated tax collector, and it is believed that he had wealth. Hmm. You know how tax collectors were uh, looked upon in those days, and I guess you could say the same way today. No one likes the IRS when they come knocking, right? Luke was a doctor, and he was taught, or, you know, he was a doctor, but he already was taught in the science of medicine in Syria. And he was not even born a Jew. Hmm. God used Peter, James, and John, who were all simple fishermen. Peter, remember, he was bold, and John was full of compassion. God used John the Baptist. You know, he was nothing to look at. And to, and, and to think that anything he had to say would count from just his appearance alone would be crazy, right? However, he had a miraculous birth. And he had a very, very important message to deliver to Israel. He was the forerunner of Christ.
Jesus chose Saul, who later became the great Apostle Paul, on the road to Damascus. And before he was chosen, he was killing Christians and persecuting the church. Paul himself even said that he was the chief of sinners. God used a little boy's lunch to feed 5,000 in John chapter 6, 9. It says, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Another great story in the Bible where you look at an unknown little lad in his lunch. Five loaves and two fishes fed 5,000 people. Count to 5,000. I'll wait a minute let you count. Go ahead. I hear you. I imagine after you get to about 100 and something, you'll probably stop, right? Could you imagine? Now think about five loaves and two fishes feeding that many people for a minute. If any of you have worked in the restaurant business and you've had large parties, you know. And even a party of 100 people can be, even 50 people can be overwhelming. I remember working at Shoney's as a manager years ago. Not sure what our capacity would hold, but in our back room that we used to have, that we'd open up for part, big parties and stuff. And, and sometimes that, it meant there may be 100, maybe 50 to 100 people in the restaurant at one time. And boy, we were busy. The wheel was full of tickets. Things were frantic. I could only imagine. Now think about 5,000 people being fed with two loaves. Excuse me, with five barley loaves and two small fishes. Hmm. Now that's a miracle. <laughs> and everyone was full and noticed there was 12 basketfuls left over. God even used a harlot in Joshua 2.4 and the woman took the two men and hid them. Hmm. Let's recap now. Let's think about all the people that I've just mentioned. There's many more in the Bible, but I tried to pick some that were unknown. I tried to pick some that were given excuses like we would do. I tried to pick some that had a rocky past. God uses the weak, the strong, the nobodies, the uneducated, the educated. He uses the rich. He uses the poor. Those that do not look like much. Those that can't speak well. Those that can speak well. The unknown. The known. God uses the insignificant. God uses those without power or influence. He uses the young. He uses the old. He uses male. And He uses female. He uses those that refuse to sin. But He's also used those that are full of sin. He uses those that are willing. He uses those that run. He uses those that agree with the message. God also uses those that disagree. 
God uses those that are looked down upon. God also uses those that are respected. God uses those that have much to offer. I've got a lot to offer God. He's, I've been talented from day one, right? God uses some that have no talents at all and don't have nothing to offer. Some of God's servants may make plenty of sense. However, most of the people God uses do not make much sense at all in man's eyes anyway. So we see here that God will use the weak. He'll use the strong. He'll use the educated. He'll use the uneducated. I wonder who it is that God will not use. Hmm. Think about that. Let's think about that if you, the next time God asks you to do something. Hmm. Let's look at the first evangelist of the Bible. The first evangelist of Jesus Christ. Who was that? Was that Matthew? Was that Mark? Or you, you must be talking about Luke. No, John, right? How about the great apostle Paul? We mentioned him. That's who we're talking about, right? No. How about the shepherds watching their flock in Luke chapter 2, 8, 9, and 10? Let's look at shepherds for a second. Shepherds were not clean. They went days without bathing, which says something when you look at the old rituals. As you noticed a podcast I had a few weeks back about does baptism save, how the Old Testament was, was full of rituals and in the mitzvah and how they had to be ceremonial clean. And you would think that someone that went days without bathing, someone like a possibly a John the Baptist who was burly looking and wore old leather and ate locusts and wild honey. You would see and look upon these shepherds as, as the same way as John, perhaps. They were considered to have a, a menial occupation. Now in the Old Testament, shepherding was considered a noble occupation and most always a sign of wealth. However, in the New Testament, and by the time in Jesus' day, things had changed. They were considered to be the bottom of the barrel, the bottom of the rung. They were compared to dung sweepers. We also know that the Egyptians did not like shepherds. They were agriculturists. agriculturalists. Farmers and shepherds never got along, right? Just ask Abel, who was slain by Cain in Genesis 4, 2 through 8. See, Cain was a farmer and Abel was, had a blood sacrifice. He was a shepherd, keeper. 
And we know that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So why did God choose to use the lowliest of humanity to be the first to evangelize the gospel message? As we said, you know, this is the birth of Jesus Christ. He didn't come to kings. He didn't come to the rich. He came to those at the bottom of the rung, those at the bottom of the barrel, those that were compared to these dung sweepers, those that had a menial occupation. What does this mean? What is the truth that we can look at here? God wanted to make it clear that He came to everyone. His son Jesus was born in a manger. He was born very lowly. And He was the King of kings. He was the Son of God. He was Christ, the Anointed One Himself. So how fitting is it that God would come to the shepherds first, the lowliest of the low, the unclean as considered a society. It would kind of be like God coming to the guy that dumps your trash today. What can we learn from this? Well, the truth is, God will use anyone who steps up to the plate. God often uses the weak to show His great power. Remember Gideon? He, he, he considered himself weak, but the angel called him a mighty man of power, of valor, excuse me. The reason he told him he had too many men and he wanted to use 300 to beat to beat 135,000 was to give God the praise, give God all the glory. When God uses someone that is insufficient or incomplete or undone, someone who stutters, someone who uh, doesn't have a, a great education, someone who is weak in faith, someone who uh, seems to look upon that they seem to be uh, an unlikely candidate for the job. It just shows how good God is just shows His grace. It shows us His great power, the incomplete to, uh, to show His completeness. He uses the incomplete to show His completeness, the inadequate to show His bountifulness. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength, notice this, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hmm. Now that is one of my favorite verses because I look at my own life and I see how I'm weak, uneducated, but willing. And I can tell you many, many times in my life to where the power of Christ is rest upon me and I'm able to accomplish and do mighty things for God. And at the and if you looked at me and seen some of the things that I've done and said and, and taught and preached, it's amazing how I can go back and look at it and I actually sound like I know what I'm doing, I actually sound wise at some point. 
but I can assure you it's not me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon me. And I tell you that's why I pray every time before I do a podcast, before I preach, before I teach, before I do anything, because I need the Holy Spirit. I can't function. I can't be complete. I can't make a difference without the help of the Holy Spirit. Hey, let's take a break right here and we'll come right back. Welcome back. This is Evangelist Stacy Gibson. We're going through looking at God's unlikely servants. As I would say tonight, who is God's unlikely servants? I've mentioned quite a few. Well, you know, let's go back through the ones I've mentioned and let's talk about them. Uh, we could look at the other disciple. Who was that? I said that God often uses the no-name people that names are not even mentioned. And we could look at this and I could tell you tonight that that no one may never remember Evangelist Stacy Gibson. I may never make it onto television. I may never make it to the big time. But see, those unnamed people in the Bible are going to be rewarded for what they've done. You may never become the next Billy Graham. You may uh, not become some great, well-known person in, in, the, in God's work, but surrendering and submitting to God's will and doing His work, is your reward going to be any less? Hmm. This unknown prophet, is he not going to be rewarded? What about the chief butler? Hmm. How about that Samaritan woman? We know that she was at the well that day in John chapter 4. And salvation came to her and her whole household. That's a great reward right there. And who can forget the thief on the cross? We may not know his name. <laughs> but Jesus told him today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. What a great reward. This man has lived all his life the way he wanted to. And right there at the very end, he gets paradise. Hey, I wouldn't encourage anybody to wait that long. And we know right now that Paradise simply is the only reward this man's going to get. I commend him for his faith as, as he dies right there on the cross right beside Jesus. But what work did he is he going to have? What crown is he going to have uh, except for the crown of faith, maybe? I tell you, that inspires me to, to get up and to do things on a daily basis, to get up and share the gospel. I want to lead as many people as I can to the Lord. I want to help all those that are, have turned their back on God to get back on fire for God. And I simply want to encourage those that are out there on the battlefield, on the front lines, doing God's will. And that is the purpose of this podcast, to educate, to share truth, to encourage, to see lost souls get saved and see people get restored to Christ. Moses was a murderer and a stutterer. Couldn't speak very well. God used him, and he's one of the great figures in our Bible today. 
Gideon was weak and he wanted to sign, but God used him and he was called a mighty man of valor. We know Samson had his weaknesses, which was one of them was women. And we know that he cut his hair, he lost his strength, but his hair began to grow back. And as I said here, he went on to to slay more Philistines at one time than he ever did in his whole lifetime right there at his end. We know the great Joshua, one of my favorite books is Joshua chapter one, when it, when it speaks of, uh, you know, the, the one of the best recipes for success in the Bible is Joshua chapter one, not to be dismayed, not to fear, but to, you know, get in God's word and to meditate day and night. And then whatever you do shall be prosperous after that. Hey, that, is that not a key, a, a great key, a great recipe for success for us just to simply get in God's word and meditate in on a day and night? And then whatever we do will prosper in. Hey, don't you want God on your side? Absolutely. God let Joshua know that he was going to be with him as he was with Moses. As we mentioned, Joseph, I like what God, how God used Joseph. His brother, Joseph, his brother sold him into slavery out of jealousy. They killed a wild animal and put it on his coat of many colors and brought it back home to his father. <laughs> Joseph went on. He didn't whine. You don't hear of him complaining. You don't hear of him doing nothing but thanking God, and praising God, uplifting God. And every time there was opportunity for Joseph to complain, every time there was an opportunity for Joseph to, to be unsatisfied with his situation, we see that God had his hand on him the whole time and that he blessed him and that he found favor with so many people. I tell you tonight, I would that's the way I want to be. Joseph would not sin. He said he didn't want to sin against his God. I do I want to be that way. I look to Joseph and and I often pray that, you know, that I want to have the strength of Samson. I want to be brave and strong like Gideon. I want to you know, have the willingness to not sin like Joseph. I want to have the wisdom of Abraham, our father of faith, or excuse me, the wisdom of Solomon and the faith of Abraham, our father of faith. I like to have the preaching, the boldness preaching of, 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 of uh, Peter and the evangelistic talents of Paul, the compassion of John, many great people in the Bible that we can pray and, and ask for the same gifts that they have and the same talents and Joseph being one of them because I just simply want to be like him. I don't want to sin against my God. And I would love for God to look at my life and, and for me to look back at my life and say, wow, God has had his hand on me the whole time and that I found favor with many people. You want to find favor at your job? You want to find favor with your boss? Hmm. Yes. We could learn, and you never know, we might end up being an Esther that God can use for such a time as this. How about King David, a simple shepherd boy? God took him from shepherd boy to king. God can use David. 
God, you can use Samson, Gideon, Joseph, Joshua. God can use you. As I mentioned, the wisdom, I often pray for the wisdom of Solomon. Now we know that the Bible teaches that there'll never be another wise one like Solomon. But hey, if I could be just second in line, maybe if I could just get right there close, I would love it. As I often pray for myself many times, I pray for others. I try, if when we're praying in Jesus' name, I think maybe I've said this before, but that's just not a tag to get what we want. Praying in Jesus' names means that we are praying accord, according to the way Jesus would have us to pray. And if you often look at that, you'll see that we'll find that if you'll pray according to Jesus' will, that you'll find yourself praying more for others than yourself. But one of the things in my point I was trying to get to is one of the things I do pray for myself more than anything else is I pray for godly wisdom. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Is that you tonight? Are you submitting to God's will? Are you telling God? Are you getting on your knees? Are you saying, God, here am I, send me. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Are you Jeremiah, the weeping prophet? Are you crying over the sins of the nation of America right now, Father? Are you crying? Are you weeping over the things that you see going on in America today? Are you a young person out there listening, like a young Daniel who refused to eat the meat from the king's table, who refused to be defiled in a foreign land? Talk about something scary. Talk about something that was, wow, uh, you know, I could only imagine going somewhere where I had to learn a new language and they even tried to change my name. Now, believe me, I wouldn't mind if someone changed my name. <laughs> I've been ridiculed and made fun of and all my life because of, oh, you have a girl's name. I hope that when there's a new name written in glory, I hope when I get to glory, I'll get a good name like John. <laughs> you know, some manly name. But God used Daniel. He's a young teenage boy. He purposed in his heart to serve God, not to defile him. Or could you consider yourself a Jonah tonight? Are you just simply running from God, what He's called you to do? Are you running from God's will? Are you not even seeking God's will? Are you like Habakkuk who, who, who in the beginning disagreed with God? Hmm. I tell you, we have many examples in the Bible of, of some unlikely servants. We have many examples of some ones that God, Jesus handpicked, like I said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James. All of these were handpicked by God, by Jesus Christ himself, and he knew exactly who he was choosing. God doesn't make a mistake when he chooses someone. Has God chosen you? If he has, then he didn't make a bad decision. He chose wisely. And he has a work for you to do. God doesn't make mistakes. I know, you might disagree. You said he made me, right? 
But God chooses all of us, and we're all different. God chose the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were all different. Like I said, one was a doctor, one's a tax collector. Some were fishermen. And I said that God chooses the willing, the ones that He knows that are going to accept, the ones He knows that are going to get up and do a work for Him. That doesn't mean that we don't fall apart. That doesn't mean that we don't fall away. That doesn't mean that we won't stop and get out of His will like we often always do. Is that you tonight? Are you, like I said, are you like this Jonah? Are you running? Well, you may say, look at me. I'm, I got uh, grease under my fingernails and I'm, I'm nothing to look at. I'm nothing. I'm not eloquent of speech. Hey, are you that John the Baptist? God used him in a mighty way. Don't let your appearance, don't let the way you talk. Don't give God excuses. Let's all be like Isaiah and say, and be willing and say, here am I, send me. Don't let your past get in the way. Oh, you don't know what kind of sin I've I've done in my life. God surely can't use me. <laughs> God chose Saul. He used him. We know he was persecuting the church. We also know he was had committed murder. Now we would surely think that God could not use a man like that. But we know that Saul, on that road to Damascus, God opened up his eyes. And he became the great Apostle Paul. Now if God can use him, simply God can use anyone. He'll use those that can't speak. He'll use those that can't agree. He'll use those the weak. He'll use the strong, the educated, the uneducated. And as I said, he'll even use the old dirty shepherds. I found that story amazing. The first evangelistic group was a group of shepherds, a bunch of nobodies, a bunch of people that God, that that the world at that time looked down upon. Hmm. God used the unlikely best. This unlikely servants all of these unlikely servants, God used them best because it brings more glory to God when the task is completed or the journey is over. We have to be broken by God before we can be used by Him and often we are too smart and capable. We, when, when we are too smart and capable, we think we can do things better and we do not need God's help. However, We may sound good, we may look good, we may make plenty of sense, but not make no difference at all. Sometimes I can study and study and study and get up there and fumble over my words and not sound good at all. And then sometimes I can just, uh, I'm so incomplete and so unprepared and God uses me in a mighty way. Now don't get me wrong, don't, that's not a, pattern or a recipe for success at all we are to study to show ourselves approved we are to rightly to note how to rightly divide the word of god and we need to be prepared when we get ready to speak teach preach and even witness but i've seen god use me many times many times 
when I was unprepared, when I was prepared. And if I have any success in my life, mark me now. Remember me saying this. If I have any success in my life, it will always be glory to God. It will always be through the help of the Holy Spirit. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, it is simple vanity. Hmm. If God used a murderer like Moses and Paul, what is holding you back from service? If God used the simple, and I say simple as in simple-minded, what is your excuse? If you had to give an answer tonight, who is God's unlikely servant? I would say it's you tonight. I would say that maybe God's trying to let you know right now, and maybe God is calling you for service. Maybe you tonight are God's unlikely servant. Maybe you've been running from God. Now, you may not be called to do a podcast. You may not be called to preach. You may not be called to teach. However, we are all, every one of us, are called to evangelize the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like the misfits in the Bible God used. I am weak unqualified, undeserving, but willing, ready, and I know where my strength comes from. I rest completely in the Lord. I trust in the Holy Spirit for help daily, for I know that I can do nothing without God's help. I am one of God's unlikely servants. God has called me to evangelize His gospel message to the world. What a great privilege and a great honor. And like Jonah, I did run from this for a while. I've, I've, I've questioned God. I said, God, you can't use me. But I have to know right now that who does God use? The willing. Those that say, here, I'm, here am I, send me. Those that will step up to the plate. Those that He can count on and trust. Those that, those that submit to His will. Oftentimes, that's why God doesn't use people is because they're not submitting. Oftentimes, they're, God's not using people because they're not listening. He's trying to call them to get them to do something. If you'll know, uh, God does not want any, there is not a, a place for anyone in God's kingdom to be just a pew warmer, to be just someone to sit on the sidelines. See, in God's football game of life, we all get to play on the team. We There's no person not one person on the bench. Isn't that exciting to know? And the only reason you are on the bench tonight is because of your choice to. Hey, it may just be cleaning the church. It may just be emptying the trash. It may be something menial. But hey, I tell you, no matter what you do, when you're doing it for the Lord, great is your reward. Hmm. 
I trust the Holy Spirit for help daily. For I know I can do nothing without God's help. I can't make a difference. I can't touch lives. I can't say something without the help of the Holy Spirit that may touch your heart tonight and get you on your knees. I am simply one of God's unlikely servants tonight. I will answer only to Him one day. And I do not want to stand before Him with regrets or excuses. When God has made it clear in His Word, He will use anyone. Hmm. God will use those that are willing. I'm Evangelist Stacy Gibson. This is He's got the whole world in His hands ministry. And you found me here on anchor.fm forward slash Stacy hyphen Gibson three. Now, thank you for listening. And I guess I would like to say tonight that don't run from God. Submit and surrender to his will. And don't underestimate what God would do with your life. He took a shepherd boy and made him king. He might simply do the same for you. If you're lost tonight and you don't know what I'm talking about, call out to Jesus Christ. Get on your knees. Uh, it's, you know, you don't have to have some eloquent prayer. You don't have to get on your knees and, and say something that's uh, that you think you have to make all kinds of sense about. Hey, just talk to God just like you're talking to a neighbor. Talk to God just like you're talking to a friend. Remember who He is. He is holy. But get on your knees and call out to Jesus Christ. Make Him King and Ruler of your life. Accept by faith what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. That He shed His blood for you and me. Accept Him tonight. Call on Him tonight. Let Him be King and Ruler of your life. And see where He'll take you. Hey, if you've turned your back on God, if you were saved at a young age, perhaps, or maybe you just got saved a few years back, or maybe you just kind of fallen off and you're not on fire like you used to be, that's my prayer tonight, that you would get back on fire for God. And hey, hope tonight, maybe just simply, I just encouraged you to, to keep and to stay in the battle, to keep fighting the good fight. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray right now for that lost person that may be listening, Father, dear God. I pray that you would convict their heart, Father, dear Lord. I pray, dear God, that they would pick up the phone and call someone that they know if they still don't quite understand what I'm talking about. Dear God, I pray that maybe they would contact me and send me an email, Father, dear Lord, and help. And, I, and I'll give them my phone number and I'll talk to them or go visit them if I can. Dear God, don't let them forget father dear lord let them call out to someone to give them more information if i haven't explained it clearly enough tonight i pray for that lost person they would fall to their knees right now and accept you as their personal savior it's not hard it's ask believe and confess accept by faith what was done at the cross i pray for that one that's turned their back on you father that's put you on a shelf 
I pray for America tonight, Father, because I do believe that that's simply what we have done is put you on a shelf and that we need to repent, Father, and call back to you and put you first in our lives. And again, Father, I do pray for those out there on the, uh, the battle fronts, Father, dear Lord. Those that are out there doing your will, the missionaries, Father, dear God, that are out there each and every day. For every pastor that's out there, Father, dear God, for every evangelist, for every radio station, for every podcast, for everyone that's out there doing your will and hustling each and every day, trying to make a difference, I pray that you'd encourage them and comfort them and keep them in the faith and keep them going forward for you. And I pray for all the doctors and nurses and all the people that are out there, Father, dear Lord, that are on the front lines of this virus, Father, dear Lord. I pray, dear God, this thing would be eradicated. But, dear God, I pray that America would be falling to our knees right now, asking you why you've allowed this to happen and what you would have us to do, Father. And I know the answer now is, Father, that we would repent, turn from our evil and wicked ways, put you first in our life, get back on fire for you, put you at the top of our list, not the bottom, and move forward for you. And that, dear God, when you open back up the this world, when you open back up the economy, when you open back up things for us to be able to go back to normal, that we won't do that, Father. That we won't go back to the way it was. That we'll go back to make it better. That we'll go back, Father, dear Lord, and make it stronger. That we'll have the faith. That we'll keep pressing forward. That we'll share the gospel. That we'll simply do your will and put you first in our lives. And that's my prayer. And I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. This is Evangelist Stacy Gibson. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.